Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, June 19th. As promised, it's part two of our two Mini Break Monday, breaking down everything happening across the tennis world. The theme of this episode is now we play for keeps on both the WTA and ATP tours as week two of the 2023 grass court season begins. Now, some of you may be asking, what do I mean by that statement? Why do I feel the stakes have risen here in week two on the grass courts? Well, all you have to do to find that answer is look at the calendar. We have three 500-level events on the schedule this week, a frisky WTA 250 draw in Birmingham as well. And what I want to do on today's show for all of you listeners is set the scene at our four tour level events, talk about the storylines, the players you should be monitoring most closely, not just as it relates to this week, but of course, 30,000 foot view as it relates to the 2023 Wimbledon as well. Now, not only do I want to preview each of the draws, talk about the things I'll be watching most closely. I also have to recap some really enjoyable matches from Monday. Of course, you already have big names competing at all of our 500-level events. There's just not a ton of opportunities to compete on grass courts prior to the start of Wimbledon. As such, you see countless top players in the world in action this week. In fact, I didn't look on the ATP side of things. I'll look as we go, but I know on the women's side, you have 22 of the top 28 players in the world all in action somewhere on the calendar this week. Of course, in Berlin, only three first-round matches underway, but... I mean, all of them were exciting, right? Kvitova, Pliskova, if this was 2016, you'd think that was a quarterfinal or a semifinal. But no, here in 2023, that's a first-round match. And Kvitova got her first win in quite some time. She looked comfortable on the grass courts. We can talk about that one, talk about wins from Vekic, Garcia. Again, more importantly, set the draw, uh, set the scene for what is an absolutely loaded draw in Berlin. Of course, you also had the match of the day happen in Birmingham. 43-year-old Venus Williams becomes just the fifth woman aged 43 or older to win a WTA main draw match. This time, it was another three-set thriller over Camilla Giorgi that ultimately propels Venus forward. Now, 30,000-foot view. I don't know how much this result impacts Wimbledon, but it's just a treat to see Venus Williams continue to compete on court. And so, of course, I want to talk about that match, talk about the other American successes, whether it was Para McNally in Birmingham today, Fruvertova, Lynette, plenty of winners, plenty of things for us to discuss, not just as it relates to Monday, but again, as it relates to that draw moving forward throughout the course of the rest of the week of Of course, again, you also have the two 500-level events on the men's side. And in the men's action, you've already seen the big dogs get underway in hollow. Players like Medvedev, Tsitsipas looking to bounce back after first match losses last week. Each of them get victories. We can break down how they looked here on today's show. You had a bunch of other interesting results. And then a ton of frisky players in the draw, right? Sinner. Rublev, Zverev, Hercots. Which of these guys are going to step up and 
assert themselves as definitive contenders as we approach Wimbledon? These are all questions for us to pontificate here on today's show. Of course, you also have the 500 event in London. We haven't seen Carlos Alcaraz yet, but we got to see guys like Nori, Sarundolo, another Ryan Penniston, strong showing in London. Shout out to him. Back to back. The follow-up is always the most difficult thing in tennis. The wild card starts things hot once again here on Monday. You got Ben Shelton's debut on grass court. I I think he's a guy we absolutely could be talking about throughout the course of the past uh, of the next month. Excuse me. Again, plenty of meat on the bone. I know it's only Monday and this is traditionally a show we move over to Tuesday, but I was ready to get rock and rolling. There's going to be a lot of tennis I want to break down this week as there just aren't that many opportunities to see these players compete on grass courts, particularly against their fellow top peers. As such, I'm going to read a lot into this week, into next week, as we approach our preview of 2023 Wimbledon. Buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a fun week of action. Again, on today's show, I want to preview each of the singles draws, talk about Monday's results. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out, is because of the support we get from all of you. And look, there's a lot happening in the tennis world. We know you listeners, uh, it's going to be impossible for any of you with day jobs, with other commitments to follow everything happening, not just on the WTA and ATP tours, but challenger level, college level. That's why we got you covered here at Cracked Rackets, whether it's our Great Shot podcast feed, Cracked Interviews podcast feed, our coverage of the ITF Pro Circuit, USTA SoCal Pro Series, a seven-week series of 15K professional events that sees players ranked outside the top 500 competing to ascend up the ATP and WTA rankings. We have coverage of that event every Saturday and Sunday. It was fun to watch some first-time champions crowned in 20-year-old Lorenzo Claveri, 25-year-old former UNCL American Sarah Davatilla this past weekend. That coverage going to continue over the next four weeks, every Saturday, every Sunday. So be sure to check that out on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Appreciate all of you who have done so already, of course. A massive shout out to our dear friends at Tennis Point as well for their support of this show. Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, let's set the scene. Week two of the 2023 grass court season is upon us. Here's what it looks like. I mentioned the fact that 22 of the top 28 women's players in the world are all competing this week. Well, 16 of those 22 can be found in the draw in Berlin, which is where I want to start today's show. Defending Wimbledon champion Elena Rabakina, the number two seed in the draw. You've got 2021 Wimbledon semifinalist and top seed here in Berlin, Arena Sabalenka in the draw. You've got last week's finalists, Kudermatova, Alexandrova, there, uh, excuse me, Alexandrova, who was the champion last week in the Netherlands. They're both right back competing, right back in the draw this week. They find themselves in Sabalenka's section. And just, you know, again, before I talk about Monday's results, listen to this Sabalenka section of the draw. First rounds, Sabalenka, Zivanareva, Kudermatova, Chinwen, Alexandrova, Samsonova, Sinyakova, Goff. You take out the qualifiers of Anareva, you take out Sinyakova, those are six of the top 30 players in the world in one section of the draw of a WTA 500 event in the middle of June. 
don't tell me mid-June tennis, non-slam tennis doesn't matter, doesn't see the best players in the world competing. Now, I know there's a scarcity of grass court events. You got to get into one of these draws if you want to get any repetitions in prior to the start of Wimbledon. I'm well aware of all those facts. Excuse me. Doesn't mean we as tennis fans can't enjoy, again, a loaded draw and Look, the weapons of Chin Wen, her serve, her plus one forehand, she is someone who right now is still top 10 in hold percentage in this 2023 season, despite a 15 and 10 record coming into the week. I mean, there's no reason she can't be successful on this surface with how explosive she is. Obviously, we know Kudermatova, Alexandrova, Samsonova has all, have all won titles on this surface in the past. Even Sinyakova, I believe she has, at the very least, made a grass court final, if not won a grass court title. Bad Hamburg, yeah, 2021, she lost in the final to Kerber. Is that her only grass court final in her career? Let's find out real real quick. It is indeed her only grass court final in her career. But again, the 26-year-old, compared to some of her contemporaries, has at least played grass court tennis in her career, 37 matches. And I know that's not a ton, but the majority of the top you know, 50 players are all those 23 and under talents we talk about. A lot of them are Russian, so they couldn't play Wimbledon last year. But even beyond that, most of them, the Sviantecs and, you know, again, the Chinwens of the world, even, you know, the Potapovas of the world, they just haven't played a ton of grass court matches. And so that's a loaded section. How does Kudermatova bounce back physically? How does she handle the weapons of Chinwen? I mean, that's a surface. Do you feel like the over-under and tiebreakers is one and a half in that match? Ditto with Alexandrova Samsonova. Now, Samsonova had to retire last week, so hopefully she's healthy this week. How does the golf forehand handle the pressure, the flat line drive tennis of Sinyakova, who will move forward and will put golf under pressure? I mean, come on. That's your best quarter of the draw. You're going to find anywhere in tennis this week. And yet again, through all of that, you still just think the weapons of Sabalenka on this surface. God, should she win now, especially post-Ashley Barty. You feel like there's at least one. Let's not forget how freaking good Ashley Barty was at Wimbledon. Yes, she only won one Wimbledon title, but that Wimbledon title just felt so inevitable in 2021. And, you know, again... She's no longer a part of the picture. So the scene is wide open from a pedigree perspective. You know, again, I know Rabakina is in the draw and you look for Rabakina. Her section, she's taken on Polina Kudermatova round one. Vekic already got a win this week. Uh, she looked really good 3-2 over Gracheva. You know, much better than she looked in her first round loss last week. So assuming Rabakina gets through, that's a fun battle of weapons. Kasakina Martic is a weird first-round match on grass. Sigamund, Blinkova, you know, again, you feel like Rabakina is the heavy favorite to advance out of that quarter. The middle two sections are fascinating. You had Garcia, straight set winner earlier today. She takes uh, in her section, she's got the powerful Wang Shiyu. She's got the lefty Kvitova, who I thought more than anything else served really well in a 3-4 and four victory over Karolina Pliskova. I know the first serve percentage was only 58%, but it was how effective she was in picking her spots with her first serve. And when she landed that first serve, albeit against Pliskova, never the best mover. Uh, she just found the, the open court so effectively. Her first win since winning Miami back in March. I mean, look, 
Garcia, Kvitova, their serves, this surface. Garcia, obviously, I mentioned this. This is She's got two more weeks, and then the free ride's over. Last year's run for her started with a title in Bad Hamburg, and then she ran through the back half of the season. Obviously, she's going to get have to start playing defense from a points perspective, but still two more weeks of – or one more week, I suppose, of offense for her. You would expect a Kvitova-Garcia quarterfinal just given their prowess on serve and the surface we're playing on, but – you know, again, let me give, let me see both play a couple more repetitions. Both straight set winners today. They looked comfortable on serve, not ready to predict a winner out of that quarter. And then, look, the second most interesting quarter is the Jabir quarter. You've got Sakari, a rematch against Alize Cornet, who beat her decisively last week, one in, uh, one in four, I believe. It was a disaster from a level perspective. Sakari's forehand was spraying all over the place. How does she recenter, taking on a Cornet who made a semifinal last week? Sasnovich made a semifinal last week, her first in about six months. She takes on the always dangerous Victoria Azarenka. Andrescu Vondrosova is just fun. And then Jula Niemeyer made a, what, fourth round, maybe quarterfinals of Wimbledon last year. Her weapons, this surface, taking on reigning Wimbledon finalist Anjabur. That's a really fun section as well. All those players you can make a case for. Again, Cornet Sasnovich coming off of semis. Jabir, the reigning Wimbledon finalist, but it's her first grass court action of the season. What if Sakari writes the ship? You always like Sakari more as an underdog, and certainly given her level last week, she's an underdog in this section. Two really fascinating quarters in Berlin. And, you know, again, as it relates to Wimbledon, of course, Sabalenka, Rabakina, your top two seeds, their level is most important because they play Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club Tennis. If they blitz through this draw... Regardless, uh, obviously, Iga's got to be in that top three of the conversation, but you feel like the delta between the top three and everyone else is pretty big if we see a strong start and dominant performance on serve, just front foot tennis from Sabalenka Rabakina. Still, Garcia, Kvitova, all players with weapons to make things interesting. Who's the fourth best player in the world right now? Who's the fifth best player in the world right now, particularly as it relates to grass court tennis? I know, again, Pagula... Krejcikova going to be in or near the top of that conversation. Players like Jabir, Goff, their consistency, Garcia over the past year. They're all in the conversation. They're all playing this week. And so as we fill out the top contenders of that 30,000-foot view as it relates to Wimbledon, Again, Sabalenka, Rabakina, because they're top tier, yes, of course, they matter a little bit more than everyone else here in Berlin this week. But up and down the draw— it's going to be really fun tennis each and every round. And we're going to see the best tested, which is what all we can ask for heading into Wimbledon is significant data points. We should get them throughout the course of the week in Berlin. We should get them throughout the course of the week in Birmingham as well as you still have, what, six of the top 28 players in the world competing at this 250 event and looking at the seeding. Krejcikova is going to kick off her grass court season. She's the top seed, and yet she's not the favorite. That belongs to second seed Yelena Ostapenko, who for about, what, 12, no, not 12 hours, six hours maybe last year, felt like she could be a significant Wimbledon contender throughout the course of the past two years. She won Eastbourne in 2021, finaled in Eastbourne in 2022. Uh, You know, the Wimbledon run last year was to the round of 16, but when she was 
dusting people in straight sets through the first two rounds and, you know, had Tatiana Maria in round number four. It just felt like for a second, oh, my God, this is another Ostapenko moment. Of course, Ostapenko loses that match to Tatiana Maria. But her weapons, this surface, they cannot be denied. That said, man, she's taken on the talented Czech teenager Linda Naskova, whose backhand return you know, again, it's just going to put Ostapenko under pressure. She's got weapons to not match her strike strike for strike, but again, certainly play some plus one tennis. I'm fascinated. That's a That might be my favorite first-round match I've seen thus far on the board uh, today. And we've already gone through the Berlin draw in that top Sabalenka quarter. So, again, it's significant tennis. Uh, looking at the top seeds, just to talk about them quickly, you've got Krejcikova, Ostapenko, third seed Magda Lynette, fourth seed Anastasia Potapova, your other seeds this week, uh, Kalanina, Para, Zheng Shui, Serana Kirstea. Of course, the most notable match of the week maybe already happened in 43-year-old Venus Williams, 7-6, 4-6, 7-6 victory over Camille Georgie. And look, was this the highest quality tennis no, it was pretty broken. It was a lot of zero to four shot or one to five shot rallies, excuse me, and, you know, first serve, first strike or big first return to gain control of the point, drew an unforced error. That was 70% of the rallies, as is the majority of grass court tennis. But to see Venus Williams, you know, she served for the opening set, Georgie breaks back, now we're in a first set breaker. You know, to see the backhand pass Venus comes up with on set point at age freaking 43. And, you know, again, same deal in the third set. She's leading. Georgie manages to come back and narrow the gap. And yet, you know, Venus pulls through 8-6 in the third set breaker. Enjoy the icons while they last. I mean, again, we don't see Federer anymore. We took that for granted for 20 years. Serena for 20 years. Even now, with the absence of Nadal at Roland Garros, certainly it felt like a, a gap in our lives during those two weeks in Paris. Do I think Venus Williams is going to win Wimbledon? Under no circumstance. Do I enjoy watching Venus Williams compete every time she steps on the court? Absolutely. Again, fifth woman in history to win a match age 43 or older. And shout out to Jeff uh, Sackman, of course, of Tennis Abstract for that stat. You look at the rest of the list. Uh, excuse me, she's the sixth woman. Dodo Cheney, Renee Richards, Judy Dalton, Martina Navratilova, Kimiko Crum, Venus Williams. That's your list. It's a fun list to be on. And I mean, again, did Georgie serve well? No, she did not. She made, what, 55% of her first serves through in six, seven double faults. Was explosive at times, but so was Venus. And the backhand pass on set point more than anything. To hit that shot in that moment, to see the reaction, to see her celebrate so openly and the smile on her face. If that doesn't put a smile on your face as a tennis fan, you're not listening to minutes 19 of this show. And so, again, credit to Venus uh, do I think she's going to win her next match against the winner of Nuskova Ostapenko? She's going to be a significant underdog, but maybe she summons a little more Venus Williams magic and certainly something all to celebrate is the opportunity to see her on court once again. Credit to Venus, just her second win in the past two years. Certainly was a fun one to enjoy. Looking at the rest of the day's results, 
I'm telling you, Katie McNally's a top 50 player on grass court. She's 61 in the world right now. Straight set victory over Lauren Davis today, 1-5. Her serve, her forehand, how well she moves forward, she will be a part of my Wimbledon Dark Horse conversation. Not to win the event, but as an unseeded player who I think, with the right draw, could absolutely make a run to the second week. Bernie P, Bernarda Pera, 6-4-7-6 over Bozkova. Now, she'll have a lot of points to defend after Wimbledon throughout the course of July and August. But right now, Bernarda Pera, I believe she's the career-high 27. She's the third, fourth-highest-ranked American. Pagula, 4, Goff, 17, Keys, 25, Para 27 in the live ranking, and right now there are 15 Americans in the WTA Top 100 singles rankings, which not too shabby, excuse me, considering no Serena, no Venus, you know, Ken and Anisimova aren't where they once were, and yet it is this group of people like McNally, like Navarro and Stearns coming off of their college careers. Took my year to get into the Top 100. Bernarda Para clearly playing the best tennis of her career. Goff still not even 20 years old, and Pagula obviously in her prime there asserting themselves and consolidating their positions as top 10 players. American women's tennis is in a really fun spot. I know we talk a lot about the Chinwens and the Nuskovas and, you know, again, what? Oh, I can go through the list. Sabalenka's, Rabakina's, obviously, Sviantek's, obviously, but all these young talents in the world, the Fruvertovas, the Andrivas, there are a lot of talented young Americans right now who are either in the primes of their career or working their way towards them and already showing promise despite not being in their mid-20s. It's a fun time to be an American tennis fan. That said, how about Linda Fruvertova? 2-0 today over Svitolina. Ugh, her shot making when she's on her front foot, that backhand line can just be destructive uh, for opponents to deal with. Of course, she gets a straight set win, three set wins, for Magda Lynette, straight set win for Annalena Kalanina, 4-4 four four over Alicia Park. So you feel like, in theory, she'd be pretty good with her weapons on this grass court, her ability to move forward, and yet 4-4 four four loss to Kalanina, 6-2 loss to Ju Lin last week to kick off her grass court season. 51 in the world, still has plenty of time on the resume with a lot of her points coming from November to February, indoor hard courts last year, but... Again, Alicia Parks has struggled uh, as we've moved towards clay courts and, you know, 0-2 to start the grass court season. She is someone to watch, though, because I just think, again, her game style, her serve, that explosiveness, when she figures out the movement, the return of serve, I think she could win a lot of matches on this surface throughout the course of her career. And, you know, again... Looking through all the sections of the draw, Katie Bolter, winner last week, uh, she gets a, uh, in Nottingham, she gets a special exemption into this draw. How does she uh, bounce back? If she can make another quarterfinal, beat a Magdalene at a round of 16, or, you know, again, beat a Jung Shui to get to a semifinal even, boy, now you start to think, okay, maybe she is a serious contender, not just to make the second week, but maybe a quarterfinal type run at Wimbledon. Shout out Amina Bektis, former Wolverine, made her first tour-level semifinal or quarterfinal, excuse me, last week. Qualifies again into the main draw here this week. She's looking to make a top 100 debut. Uh, crazy to say Amina Bektis, the 30-year-old former All-American. But yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Potapova versus Kostyuk, that is a spicy 
first-round match for all sorts of reasons. Potapova a 50.2% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. I mean, that's just going to be a really high level of play. There's a lot of good matches at this 250 in Birmingham. Uh, again, we'll save predictions for later in the week. I want to watch some of these players kick off their, clay, uh, their grass court seasons. Excuse me, but plenty of juice on the WTA side this week. We'll monitor it all throughout the course of the week here on the Mini Break Podcast feed. Let's move next to the action uh, on the men's side. We'll start in London because that's where I opened the tab. First two, I mean, you've got Carlos Alcaraz who, let's take a guess. How many matches in his career has Carlos Alcaraz played on grass courts? If your guess was 10 matches, you're too high. If your guess was eight matches, you're too high. If your guess was six matches, you'd be exactly right. It's the first time in his career Carlos Alcaraz has played a grass ma- uh, professional grass court match, not at Wimbledon. Now he made second round in 2021 of Wimbledon. He lost fourth round last year to Sinner as the number five seed. It's his first time in his career playing a grass court match outside of the Wimbledon grounds. And, you know, again... He's got to get the repetitions in six matches on grass courts is not enough. There's a reason you see Carlos Alcaraz in the draw. And his explosion, his aggression, that ability to take a big cut on the return of Servia. I know the forehand backswing is big, but his ability to play the drop shot, his ability to serve and volley, just his physicality he can bring on any surface. Carlos Alcaraz will be good on grass courts the way Carlos Alcaraz is good on every surface. He's going to play the explosive teenage Frenchman, Arthur Fees, qualifies for another main draw at the tour level. And you look for the 18-year-old, excuse me, now 19-year-old, happy belated birthday, Fees, 50 and 25 in his last 52 weeks, 28 and 11 this week. Of course, he won his first ATP tour uh, level title in Lyon the week before the French Open, qualifies here in London. Again, he, Luca Van Asche, it's the first time you have something excited to be about in French men's tennis in quite some time. That's just an explosive first-round match. And given the fact that Fees has at least played a few grass court matches here this year, I don't know if that's just going to be a breeze for Carlos Alcaraz. Fees will put him in trouble. He'll serve in volley. He'll put Alcaraz under pressure. That's a really first fun first-round match. I mean this whole top quarter, this entire draw. Fees Alcaraz, Lechechka Davidovich Fokina, Dimitrov, who had to make it as a qualifier into this event. He takes on Rusevori. Qualifier Tommy Paul, already knocked out by Francisco Sarundolo. Keep in mind, Tommy Paul right now, 16 in the world in the live rankings. He had to play qualifying to get into the main draw of this event. It's stacked. And by the way, I've now done the research. You look at the, the uh, excuse me, live rankings right now. Two, four, six, seven, eight. So 21 of the world's top 29 players in the world, all competing this week, dispersed between London and Halle. If Tommy Paul and Greg, your qualifiers were Tommy Paul, Grigor Dimitrov, Arthur Fees, and Mackie McDonald. Those are all top 70 players in the world. This is a 500-level event. Tommy Paul, who's top 20 in the world, had to play qualifying. I don't know if I'm going to get over that fact anytime soon. But, man, credit to Francisco Sarundolo. Three-set win over Tommy. 
good luck dealing with his forehand on this surface and trying to keep your footing and respond to the next shot after Sorendo hits that first forehand comfortably. He moved in successfully. This was a really physical match. Tommy was up a break in the third set. Sorendo lands a couple of deep returns to just get Tommy stretched. Now, Tommy moves as well on grass courts as anyone I've seen so far compete this year, and I know it's very early in the grass court season, two early losses for Tommy and two early grass court season events. I'm not writing off his Wimbledon chances at all. His feel, his touch, his all-around game, I think, is going to work well. Three out of five sets at Wimbledon. He's had two tough first-round matches, uh, two tough losses. Tommy's lost to Struff and Sarundalo so far in this grass court season. I'm not writing him off yet, but that's a loaded quarter. You move through the rest of the draw. Tiafo versus Van, uh, the Tiafo quarters. Tiafo Nori, and by the way, Cam Nori, Played as well as I've seen him look in quite some time. Capture just takes his backhand on the rise so early, and how low and flat it stays with the bad bounces you get on grass. I'd argue Nori's backhand is that much more effective. He gets a three uh, straight set win, excuse me, over Miramir Kasmenovic. Shout out Sebi Korda. Looked as healthy, as fluid as I've seen in a while. Made a tweener lob over Dan Evans' head uh, to in his course to a straight set victory over Evans. If Court is healthy, I mean, he's played top 10 tennis this season. He played it in the month of January. He just hasn't been healthy since. But Tiafo coming off of a title. He's going to take the always tricky Botic Vandesen, Shkulp, Milos Raonic in that section. Jordan Thompson coming off of a final uh, in the Netherlands. He's in that section of the draw as well. That's your top half. And then, look, bottom half, Runa versus Cressy on grass courts. Fireworks. Ben Shelton got his first career win in his first career match on a grass court. Straight sets over J.J. Wolf was down an early break, got the break back in the first, then went up three love in the second, only to see Wolf get the break back. A lot of serves, a lot of first forehands. I mean, Shelton serve on this surface. Good freaking luck. He will make at least one second week at Wimbledon in his career even if it's not this season. He's going to take on a Lorenzo Musetti. That's a really fun contrast of styles because Musetti's moving and passing. You know what? Sorry, Tommy Paul. Musetti's moving better than anyone else I've seen on the grass court so far this year. He's just keeping the ball so well in front of him. His backhand slice has just been knifing through these grass courts. And again, his creativity is rewarded on this surface. Now, from a matchup perspective, Ben serve into that Musetti backhand. Good freaking luck, Lorenzo. If Ben wins that match, then we do have to start taking him seriously as a guy who could make a round of 16 appearance at Wimbledon already. Shout out Ryan Penniston, of course, gets a good follow-up win over Umber today. But that's a really fun section of the draw, that Runa quarter. Probably, I like that even more than I like the Alcaraz section. And then... You know, Fritz, Demon, they're both in that final Fritz quarter of the draw. Diego Schwartzman got a good win over qualifier Mackie McDonald today. Adrian Manorino, Liam Brody, that's a fun lefty battle in round one. How about Murray versus Demon Hour? Andy Murray coming off of 10 straight victories at the challenger level. Now, he could lose this match just on a fatigue basis to Demon, but Demon coming off of a three-set loss to, I believe, Greek Spore uh, last week. Uh, yeah, Greek Spore, of course, went on to win that title. I thought he looked. I thought Demon looked solid. The Murray match will test him mentally, physically. It's a really fun first-round match in London, and again, what is a fascinating draw on right now, Alcaraz, despite 
just the six grass court matches. He and Murray tied 13.4% chance of winning the event, according to Tennis Abstract. Nori's 11-4. Fritz is 11-2. Tiafo 10.1. They're saying it's a toss-up. And as I've alluded to, that's how I feel. Like, it just feels like things are uncertain right now as it relates to outside of Novak Djokovic, who's going to contend for this 2023 Wimbledon title. And so certainly London will offer us insight into that, as will Hala, where you already had your top two seeds in action. Daniil Medvedev, Stefano Tsitsipas, each winners on the day. Medvedev 4-3 and three over Giron. Much cleaner performance on serve for Medvedev, who, again, credit to Giron, who's so physical, but physicality is not what beats. Daniel Medvedev. You need a serious weapon to throw him off kilt. You just have to have, dare I say, the gumption to keep swinging throughout the course of a match. And certainly Garone will keep swinging. I just don't think he had that weapon to uh, throw Medvedev off center today. So it was a pretty straightforward win for Medvedev. Tsitsipas got tested. 6-7, 6-4, I thought Gregoire Barre just was striking the ball so brilliantly, was redirecting shots and taking things down the line. And look, at a serious shot of winning this match, no doubt about it. Was up a set and a break in this early in the second, but Tsitsipas stayed the course. His serve, his forehand can be dominant on this surface, even if his backhand continues to, dare I say, just be a disaster thus far through two matches on the grass courts. But it's not an unfamiliar territory for Tsitsipas on this surface as it relates to that wing. Still, top two seeds, somewhat riding the ship, each going to get a few more repetitions here this week in Hala. Of course, your other winners on the day, straight set winners, Laszlo Jura, uh, straights over Oscar Ota, Nicolas Yari, his serve on this surface should translate, even if that forehand backswing is big, straight sets over Quarantine Mute, and then how about Denis Shapovalov? That's the best match I've seen him play in quite some time. Fights off an early break point. Six and four over Lloyd Harris. If not this Wimbledon, is it ever going to happen for Shapovalov this season? I mean, again, his weapons, his first step, his creativity. We've seen him make a Wimbledon semifinal. Can he find a way? Or I think a semifinal. Can we find a way? Uh, a way can he find a way to rally himself moving forward. He gets a straight set win over Lloyd Harris. Much needed three set win for last year's Wimbledon fourth round appearer, uh, Brandon Nakashima as well. He survives three sets over Emer. You could tell how much it meant to him to get over the finish line after Nakashima. It's just, he's played 500 ball throughout the course of this year. That said, looking at the rest of this draw right now, the favorite Medvedev, 28.9%. Tsitsipas, 18.5%. Still plenty of interesting names. Third-seeded Andre Rublev, fourth-seeded Yannick Sinner. You've got uh, Zverev, Chorich, Herkots, RBA, your other seeds in the draw. Last week's Netherlands champion, Talon Greekspoor. He's back in action. Who am I watching most closely? Honestly, Shapovalov, as I've said all season long. It's a make-or-break year. Like, if he's this inconsistent guy for a sixth consecutive season, maybe that just is who he is and trying to guess the week that Shapovalov's going to have that run that will help him sustain a top 30 ranking throughout the course of a year. Your guess is as good as anyone's. But he's a guy I'm watching. Team Zverev, who knows what that matchup looks like, but it's certainly a fun one on paper. Do I think Jan Leonard Struff in the uh, center section of the draw could get through that and make another semifinal? Absolutely. And if he does, he's got to be on the short list of Wimbledon quarterfinal contenders. 
Hercots Eubanks is a pretty fun first round match. And if we get a Hercots Greek Spore round of 16 battle, that's another sort of both these guys, if they're playing their best, can make the quarterfinals of Wimbledon sort of battle. Plenty of things to keep an eye on in Hala. Again, Medvedev right now, according to Tennis Abstract, your favorite. But, you know, looking right now at the numbers, at the stats, at the rankings, and by the way, Two top 10 Americans for the first time in over a decade. Three in the top 15. I believe it's 11 top 100 American men right now. 14 top 100 ATP players with college tennis ties from Nori all the way through to the Sheltons, Eubanks, Mackies, Garones, Cressys, Hanfmans of the world. If you watch 2010's college tennis as I did so closely, that shouldn't be a shock to anyone. But you're know, looking at the stats right now. What the top 10, 15, 20, 25 clubs in hold break percentage have to be top 50 in the rankings? You all know the criteria by now. They tell me it's not really clear outside of the really clear things who's playing well. And what I mean by that is two players rank top 10 in both hold and break percentage. Iga Sviantek and Novak Djokovic. If you have eyes, that makes sense. They're the two best players in the world coming off of the clay court seasons. Your players that rank top 15 both hold and break percentage. Sabalenka, makes sense. Alcaraz, makes sense. Krechikova has had some really good weeks. She's the other player, and she's just been really inconsistent of late. But again, given the peaks she's shown, that doesn't not make sense to me. Outside of that, it gets weird on the women's side. Top 20 club. Just Paula Bedosa, who when healthy has looked fine, but the only player and one of four women to rank top 20 in both hold and break percentage, that doesn't feel right. Now, you expand to top 25, you get a bunch of names. Mukova, Goff, Azarenka, Keys, Pliskova, Gracheva, Kostyuk, Pagula. It makes sense. There are a bunch of players playing well, but outside of Iga, outside of Sabalenka, outside of Rabakina, who's obviously a top three server on the WTA tour right now and that success on serve affords her a little more leeway on the return of serve to be aggressive so it makes sense she's not in this club it matches what we see with our eyes and what we've been saying outside of Iga, Sabalenka, Rabakina it's an open race right now for those four through eight spots as it relates to the WTA tour hierarchy on the men's side top 20 club Again, Djokovic top 10, Alcaraz top 15, top 20. You've got Medvedev, Sinner, Runa. Makes sense. Hatchinov. Makes sense. Jan Leonard Struff. After these four months, kind of makes sense. We're not going to say that too loudly, but watch him play and tell me that's not one of the 20 best players in the world right now. The aggression, the explosion, the confidence, and then... You know, again, top 25, Tsitsipas has had moments. Tiafo belongs in that conversation. Kasper Ruud coming off of a French Open final. Andre Rublev was really consistent throughout the course of the clay court season. And then the peaks of Sepi Korda when he's been good. Yeah, he belongs in that conversation. Still, outside of that definitive top two, Djokovic, Alcaraz, and then I do think Medvedev has to be in that conversation despite the successive first-round losses in his prior two events. Four through eight. It's an interesting conversation, and, you know, again, it speaks to the fact right now, shout out to, uh, I forget, Enrico, uh, was it, I forget who did it on Twitter. I'll have to look it up retroactively, and I'll offer you an apology tomorrow. Nine of the top 10 players right now in the world played an ATP next-gen event at some point in their career. Sinners, Alcarazes, Tiafos, Fritzes. The next-gen campaign worked. 
The next gen is here. Like, these are the guys. And we've talked about a generational shift for six years now here at Crack Rackets since our inception. You see it day in, day out, week in, week out at the results we see on tour and the players we're watching most closely heading into the big events. And guess what? It's six years later. A lot of these players are 24 through 27 years old. They should be entering or in the primes of their careers, but they really are now. And it makes it for a really fun era uh, in pro tennis. And it's why we know it's our job here at Crack Rackets to cover it all for you day in, day out. That's what we will continue to do throughout the course of the week as we will have episodes for you every day here on the Mini Break Podcast feed. Of course, it is also going to be award show week here at Crack Rackets as we take stock of everything that's happened through the first half of the season, whether it's ATP, WTA Tour, Challenger Tour, College Tennis. We'll have award shows for you all week long available on our great Great shot podcast feed. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an onion job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. And again, like, rate, subscribe, review to this pod, our Cracked Interviews podcast feed, and all of our social media at Cracked Rackets. We'd appreciate that. And as always, we appreciate your support. We appreciate the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point as well. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. Talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.